Welcome to the Freelance Revolution Podcast. I'm Leah. And I'm Sarah. We're both seasoned freelancers running successful online businesses that allow us the flexibility to live the lives that we want. We do different work as freelancers. We find our clients in different ways and we have different business models. The one thing that unites us is a passion for helping others work on their own terms. We're not here to give you a silver bullet or sugarcoat the work it takes to develop and run a successful business. We're here to guide you through the journey we've already taken, bust common myths about the freelance lifestyle, and give you the support you need to keep going when things get tough. The Freelance Revolution podcast is brought to you by Freelancers Align, our free community for freelancers and solopreneurs. Did we mention that membership is free? Go to freelancersalign.com to learn more and sign up. Hi, Lee. Hey there. All right. So um, last time we talked about getting paid what you need, and now we're going to talk about getting paid what you deserve. And the first step in that is figuring out what you need. Um, which we talked about last time. Do you want to tell us why that's so important? Um, because then you find yourself making what you need first and then what you deserve if you do it the other way around. So when I started, I just needed to get started. And so I priced myself really low because that's where my mindset was. I did not know what I deserved. I did not know. And I didn't do any research. So I just started. And so then when I started figuring out, okay, I need to make X amount of money per month or per week, I had it calculating that I was going to have to work 60 hours a week at that rate. And I was like, this is not why I signed up to do this freelancing gig. I signed up. So I had more time, more control over my time. And so I'm actually spending less. So then I kind of got into this thinking of, should I just become a, you know, employee. And I'm like, no, no, like, that's not what I wanted. Like I went through the path of actually applying for a couple of jobs. And during those interviews, I'm like, no, this is not what I want. So then I went back to the drawing board of there has to be a way for me to get paid what I deserve, what I need. And so then I ended up raising my rates, but I ended up raising them basically doubling what I was charging. And so then I went into this whole mindset of like imposter syndrome. Like I knew what I was doing, but I didn't know if people were going to value what I was asking for, for a rate. So because I'm on the Upwork platform for a while, I, I closed down all of my earnings. So no one could see the amount that I was earning. Um, And so that, that alleviated that fear a little bit that I just didn't want have a client over here where I'm making a lower amount. And now I'm charging a new client, a higher amount. I didn't want them to know about each other. Um, and I didn't want to know, like, I didn't want to compromise what I needed to be making. So Mm -hmm. I then made sure that I was making what I deserved. And so it was a weird, awkward, I mean, I want to say probably six to eight months before I moved into that confidence of, I am making what I deserve and my mindset matched. Yes. Yes. It's so, yeah. If I would have done the research before I would have saved myself six to eight months and made a heck of a lot more money. Yeah. And it really, I mean, the imposter syndrome, the way this feeds into imposter syndrome is so interesting because 
if you do your, if you do your research on the two sides, like what you need. So like doing the, what we did last in the last episode on figuring out what you really need to make your life work and then doing your research on what other people are charging for your work. It puts you in such a better position mentally to ask for that from your clients, because you know that you're asking for what the market is paying for your skill set. And you know that you're asking for what you need. So it like works on both sides. Um, And yeah, that research, that's the biggest thing that I talk with my coaching clients about is like, you have to do the research, which means you have, there's like, there's lots of ways you can do it. Um, You can uh, join a freelancer community like ours and find other people that do work that you want to be doing and just like ask them, just like have a conversation with them about how they do what they do and what they charge. Um, you can go on a platform like Upwork and you can like literally look and see what people like are, are charging for these types of, um, positions, um, these types of projects. Um, but I think the biggest thing is like when you're like, I always go to like those one-on-one conversations with people, um, because that's going to do so much more for you than just knowing what people charge. It's going to give you all the context around, um, why they charge what they charge. Um, because I think that like both of us, um, if you, if we tell someone what we charge in this moment, it's going to feel like a lot. Um, but we, we've been doing this for a while and it's been a journey to get here, um, to figure out what you charge for, um, what you charge for your services. And all of that also depends on your business model. It depends on your clientele. It depends on the type of project. So that's why like even someone like Leah who works on Upwork and has like a standard way that she like prices her projects, you're still not like, here's my standard hourly rate that I apply to everyone. Right. It's like, and I almost never tell people like a standard hourly rate because it varies so drastically depending on what I do, how I do it, what I think it's going to take. Um, and so I think like doing your research is the biggest thing from my point of view, because it's going to a give you like real data. So when you're having that conversation with a client and they're like, oh, that feels like they're like, balking at what you want to charge them you're like well you know this is industry standard for what people charge that do what I do at the level that I do it with the experience and the um, certifications or whatever it is that I have you have the information to back yourself up I would say that not in addition to asking other similar freelancers what they charge if you can be if you can have a conversation with someone who hires those kinds of freelancers um then that's a, that's an also an important conversation to have because they will tell you what they're willing to pay for that. Um, and, and so what I've done, sorry to interrupt. No, you. go ahead. Um, because I think knowing that you're going to have people question your hourly rate. And for me, for a long time, that kind of put me back in my shell and brought that like those imposter, like I still get questioned on my hourly rate. I price everything hourly and then I give people estimates of what you know, amount of time these types of projects are going to take. And that's just for my billing purposes. I don't want to wait for a whole milestone before I get paid. I want that consistent weekly paycheck that I get from Upwork. So I'm in control of that. Um, So that's why I bill hourly. But what I do is if people are questioning my hourly rate, I tell them that we can do it a couple different ways. 
One, I can teach them how to do some things on their own. So if I'm doing a site transfer from one platform to another, I can do some Loom training videos and send them that over, and then I can do a final check. That saves significant amount of time if they have the bandwidth. And then I always let them know if you, you know, get busy or it's too over your head, I'm happy to jump back in. Or what I have a few clients right now doing is this is an ongoing project. This is an ongoing, you know, like working relationship. I can budget five hours a week at your rate and just see how far we get every week. Mm-hmm. Some weeks I get further than others based on the projects, but then I, one client I have right now in particular, like I really enjoy working with him, but he's like, I have a strict budget. You're out of my budget, but how far can we get working five hours a week? So I make sure that I front end him and say, this is how far I got. And what's been happening is he's like, okay, I really need you to get this and this and this done. How much longer do you think it's going to take you this week? So if I'm done with the five hours by like midday Tuesday, and send him his weekly update of how far I got, I usually get a couple extra hours that he budgets in Mm -hmm. towards the end of the week. So I move the project along, you know, and if he doesn't like, that's totally fine. But just being aware of not compromising your rates, not negotiating down your rates, but coming up basically with creative financing for the client justification of like what Sarah said earlier, this is from one of the research that I do. This is my unique value proposition. This is, you know, the markets, the industry standard of the services that I'm providing. Mm-hmm. And just be confident in that. Like people can tell if you're confident in the rate in your pricing and if they're not, if you're not. Yep. And I always get that. I'm always a little bit shaky every time I do a jump in my rates. Yep. The first couple, I usually get negotiated down just a little bit. And that's, I know it's because of the, the confidence that I portray. Yep. It never, that imposter syndrome never goes away. Like it's always there. We will definitely do that in a future episode because it's a, it's a huge one. Um, But yeah, they can feel that is, that is like really, really good advice because I think you're absolutely right. (coughs) Excuse me. They can tell when you know that you're worth what you're asking for. Mm -hmm. 100%. And the way that you do that is a do your research and then B it will get easier with practice. Like the first time you do it, you're, it's going to be uncomfortable, but like also having those conversations with other freelancers about what they charge is, um, going to help you flex that muscle about like talking about money because it's uncomfortable to talk about money and you have to get over that. Like that is another boss mindset shift. Like you cannot be uncomfortable talking about money and succeed in owning a business. You have to be able to talk about money. Um, I read, I cannot remember, or I would like, I give a shout out to whoever posted this, but I read a post the other day on um, Instagram that was like, people always want, they want a rock star, but they only want to pay for a backup singer. And it's like so true because people are like, oh, I want the highest standard. And this is true for employees, too. This is not just freelancers. I want the highest standard. I want to, I want the like best possible person for the job, but I want to nickel and dime you every time it comes down to what you want to charge me. Um, and that it just it doesn't work that way. So when you are good at what you do, which is like a whole separate 
episode. <laughs> um, when you are good at what you do and you're confident in your ability to do it. And that comes off in so many ways in all of the ways that you present yourself to a client. Um, I mean, like their budget, like your client examples perfectly, uh, sometimes their budget just isn't there. And no matter how confident you are, and you know that this, that you're worth this amount of money, they just don't have the money to pay for it. And that is fine. Um, and it's so good to be able to offer them other scenarios for being able to figure that out. Because at the end of the day, like we, you know, I do this all the time where I'm like, I really want to help people. And I still have to check myself in the back of my head about like freebies and discounts and all that kind of stuff, because I'm like, no, like my time is worth what it's worth. And the energetic exchange of money is important. We also like are big fans of bartering. That's how we started working with each other is we were like trading work back and forth um, with each other. So like it, it's important to have that, like that energetic exchange in some form, but ultimately when you're doing stuff for people for free, it's super hard to hold them accountable. So like I've had people do um, stuff for me for free and it's like wonderful. And I'm always incredibly grateful. And I don't feel like I can be like, Hey, but could you do this like other thing? Or could you make this change? Or like, what about that thing you were going to do last week? And so it's also like about just the way that work works (laughs) in our society that like, you have to have that. You have to have that um, exchange with people in order to make sure that both of you are getting what you need out of the, out of the relationship. Right. And let me go back to the scenario that I told you. So like with, when I was talking about those creative, you know, payment financing, whatever we want to call them, I don't offer that to everybody. Like if I'm not getting a good vibe from them, like I just don't. And I'm like, okay, you know, I, spent a half an hour, 45 minutes on an interview call, like ask me anything right now, but it's not, I'm not feeling it beyond this, you know, but if I'm really excited about what their mission is, I've researched them. I've, you know, I really want to work with them. That's when I pull that, that tool out and give them more options. Yep. Totally. And that is when you get into those, I mean, my goal, like I average, you know, 50 to 60 hours a week. And when I'm working two to three hours, five hours, like that's a lot of people that of touch points that I have to juggle and manage. Like I want some bigger projects where I'm doing, you know, 20 whatever hours for one client, like that's ideal for me. So it has to be again, weighing the mindset and weighing the like dauntingness of the scheduling logistics of those people too. Totally. Um, so I'm, I'm going to put you on the spot here and if you're not into this, then that's okay too. But like in the, in the spirit of, um, being upfront about money, I'm happy to share like the price range of what I charge for my services. So people have an idea. So from a project management perspective, and I started out, I started out at like $35 an hour. And then I got advice from someone who was hiring me at the time, like almost right away to be like, no, no, that's not enough. Um, which is also like, if you work for amazing people, um, that like it has been clients several times in my career who have been like, yeah, you probably need to charge more than that. And so like that, like, those are the people 
that you always want to work for. <laughs> but I went from 35 to 50 almost immediately, $50 an hour. And now I charge between, and this really varies because of the way I I, I structure my contracts as flat rate contracts. So the hourly rate kind of varies a little bit month to month, but um, I charge anywhere between like 70 or between 90 and $125 an hour. And for a while in between there, it was like 75 was my standard hourly rate. Um, so it's like 35, 50, 75, and now I'm at between 90 and um, 150. I can't remember if I said 125, 150. What about you? Mine's been a little bit more of figuring out the skill set, figuring out the type of jobs that I want. So I'm going to, mine's going to be a little bit more elaborate than yours. Um, So I started out as a virtual assistant. Um, Was I qualified for a virtual assistant? I was beyond that. Um, Did I want to go into the project management? No, because I was not I'm the worst project manager. Like those little details is not something that I find fun, especially to do it for multiple, like the wires were getting crossed constantly. I tried project management because I did look at the research of a project manager makes more than a virtual assistant. So that was appealing to me, but then I tried it for a couple jobs and I was like, oh my goodness, this is not for me. Like I faked it and did a decent enough job to get the clients that I had where I wasn't letting them down but I phased myself out relatively quickly because it just did not align with what I was headed for. So then I decided to become a specialized virtual assistant. So then I became a Kajabi assistant, but then what quickly happened, so for $25 an hour, because I went specialized, I was then charging $50 an hour. And then what happened was I was doing all this backend setup, all of the connections, the funnels and all this stuff. And so I kept taking courses and courses. So then I'm like, I'm now this Kajabi developer. But what I really was, was more of a strategist because of the courses that I took to get there. And so I went from 50, again, because imposter mentality or syndrome snuck in, I should have jumped right from 50 to 75, but I was too nervous to jump fully. So I did 65 and 75 for a while, jumped back and forth. And then I was at max capacity at $75 an hour. And I had so many invites coming in and I was like, I want to make more money. How can I do this? So I jumped my hourly rate to 95. And I was like, if they want to hire me at 95, then I will you know, I'll take them on and figure it out as these projects phase out. So mine was more on how busy I was depended upon what I was charging. Mm-hmm. That was just the game that was in my head or what was in the, in my head. Now I'm flat rate at 110 an hour to 125 an hour. If it's just a Kajabi transfer and enhancement of a site then it's at that 110 an hour. If it's a full-on like startup strategy development, basically I'm helping them create their course or their membership along the way, then it's straight at 125 Mm -hmm. because the courses that I've taken, I'm saving them between three and $5,000 alone just because of my knowledge. Yep. And that's a perfect example of like the market will pay you what you want. Like you had the, you worked your way up as did I, and Mm -hmm. you got to the point where you were like, okay, like the, I have very little capacity, but all these people want me to work for them. And so you, you took advantage of that. And 
I think the other, like the other thing that I want to make sure we say out loud too on this. And so first of all, I think the reason why, like, I'm not going to lie, that is like uncomfortable (laughs) for us. Like, and it is. And that's the thing that like people have to know about talking about money. Like we have to break down that stigma because what happens when you don't talk about money is usually it means that people aren't charging what they deserve because they don't know what other people are getting paid. And that disproportionately affects women all the time in all scenarios. It affects women in traditional employment scenarios. It, it affects everyone, but disproportionately affects women because you make assumptions about what other people are charging. And usually you charge less. Mm -hmm. Um, And so it's really important for everyone to understand what people are charging so that you're going in with an even playing field mentality, knowing what you can ask for. Um, Would I recommend that a brand new project manager right outside of the gate start charging $90 an hour? Probably not. But you have to, but when you have that um, framework in your head, you're better able to situate yourself and get over that imposter syndrome and all that other stuff. Um, it, 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 and I want, I want to make sure I say the like right statistic. Um, so it's the case that in self-employment scenarios, women are making 43% less than men. Mm-hmm. That's almost half in traditional employment scenarios. I think the wealth gap or the earning gap is like 17%. It might've changed, like it changes all the time, Um, but it's not good. And so I would also say that like um, women in particular have the hard conversations about money with your peers so that you can help like build up your, your confidence to ask for it and then ask for it. And if you don't ask for, if you're, if someone turns you down, go somewhere else. Um, because it's not, you need, you need to be getting paid what you deserve. And when we have this whole like stigma and mentality around not talking about money, it makes it so, um, traditional power structures around money are getting reinforced. So it's, it's uncomfortable, but like, it's important. Right. And see where you can do on the job training, like get paid while you're learning. Like that's where I learned. So like when I specialized in the Kajabi virtual assistant, I like learned, I was constantly on Kajabi tech support, learning, reading their articles and things like that to give me the confidence to start building. And I figured out where I was more passionate. And that's where I was like, I can totally see myself as a membership coordinator, developer, whatever you want to call it and optimizing courses. Like, so looking at all of that, and piecing it all together, still keeping it in the things that I wanted to do and I enjoyed doing. But there was so much learning. I I could have been satisfied just being a Kajabi, you know, virtual assistant and just, you know, managing that whole platform because I'm specialized, like, and made great money. Don't get me wrong. Like if that's where you want, but I knew that I, I was positioning myself where I was heading. Yep. Yep. I just had this conversation with someone the other day where I was like, don't like, you're going to charge less when you're first starting out and don't charge nothing because they are paying you. You're, you're getting paid less because you're not an expert yet, but you, they're paying you to learn it. They're paying you to build up replicable systems that you're then going to use with your other clients. 
And that's how you get start getting paid more is because not only do you know more what you're doing, but you do it faster because you've already done it before. And so it all like you do have to start somewhere, but um, all of that is building you up to these income levels um, that are incredibly lucrative and sustainable for not as a 40 hour week. Right. Or yes, a 40 hour week and <laughs> 40 plus right. in Leon's case. Right. Um, but this is a little bit off topic, but I think it's still relevant to say here. So the game changer for me and the positioning that built me a ton of credibility was knowing my lane. I knew that when I started, I was having to be this techie person in so many different platforms. So I decided to just like, here's my lane, but clients are still going to want my knowledge in X, Y, and Z platforms. So what I did is I found other experts who know Facebook ads, who know social media marketing, who know like all of these things that I did not want to do. And I made sure that I built those relationships. So I then have referral partners. So if a job description includes like 20 different things and I match like 10 of them, but then when I submit my proposal, here's what I can do. I don't do this because of whatever, but I have referrals that I've worked well with in the past that can do these other things for you. Yep. And And when we get on a call, I explain why you should not hire someone who has those 20 different things, because can they really position themselves as an expert if they're so spread out? Because technology is forever changing all platforms. I don't care who it is. I mean, think about like before we got on this um, podcast, Sarah had to do an update to Zoom. Like every single platform is constantly changing and you have to stay on top of that. You cannot be an expert in all 20 different platforms. You just can't. You can't. And that there are so many other podcast episodes there, business model, um, networking and building your network with other freelancers, which like when you're having those conversations about what people charge, you're all, you're building that network, you're building that group of people. Also, I can come to Leah and be like, how much do you think I should pay a social media manager? How much do you think I should pay a Facebook ads person? Because she hires people like that. So those are all the ways that you, you're building your ecosystem and you're building your credibility and you're thinking smart about your business model. Right. And so I know I just gave you a ton of information. Your head's probably just swimming, but this is the type of stuff when we give you these swimming ideas or overwhelmed ideas and you're like, okay, you told me this, but I don't know how to approach it. That's what the Freelancers Align community is for. So ask those questions in there. We can, you know, as a peer group, help you develop your processes, develop your business model, refine it, improve it, enhance it, whatever you want to do. But what it says in all of our emails is like, you're an entrepreneur, but you're not by yourself. Like we are here to support you. And that's never been more true as we want to encourage people to be making their desired income. Yep. Getting paid what you deserve. Amen. Yep. (laughs) All right, everyone. Um, A lot to think about there. Many other spinoff episodes that uh, will come out of this, I think. Um, but go out there, go out there and get what's yours. Um, and we will see you on the next episode. 
Thanks for listening to the Freelance Revolution podcast. Don't forget to check out our free community for freelancers and solopreneurs. Go to freelancersaligned.com to learn more and sign up.